What's going on, man? It's your boy Jay Holly, and we are back with another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 53 in the books. We're on location today. It's our new spot a little bit. We like this spot right here, man. This is Center Sneaker Store down here at Dallas and Mockingbird Station. Come on down here, man. They can get you right. They got all the footwear. They got me. They got, they got me. Y'all know I, I got to stay away from sneakers, but they got me. Some fire stuff um, in here. So come on down here and check my boy T out and get you something nice. Get your lady something nice. Get your kids something nice. Get everybody uh, something nice. But... Man, we just I'm so thankful that you are all here. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I'm so glad that you are here with me. Thank you for doing that. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. Y'all know what y'all got to do. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Apple, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. Mr. Fourth and Long, Fanatic Views, YouTube, Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. Go like it. Go put it a part of your everyday lifestyle. Make this about what you do when you do anything sports-related, podcasting. Put your boy down, man. Put me in the system. Make me in your rotation. Uh, but y'all know how I like to get down. I like to give my motivation at the beginning because let's be honest, most of you won't be here at the end. I'm just not for everybody. And in 2024, that's okay. At 2025, it'll be okay too. In 2026, same thing. But before you go, I want you to listen about three episodes. Give them 15 minutes apiece. And in those 15 minutes of those three episodes, if you have not fallen in love with me, Find yourself three more episodes. Continue this process until we have figured this thing out, until you understand and know that I am where you're supposed to be. All right, here's what I got for you guys. A lot of you know, some of you don't know, uh, but I'm, I'm on this uh, every year in January. I, I take this spiritual fasting, and, and it kind of reveals some things to me. And I'll get deeper into my fast another day, another time of all what it is. Um, but one of the things that has come to me, that's hit me, um, and it's just a reminder for me, and I want to share it with you, it's just simply this. They can't copy your anointing. You have something that's in you. You have something that has been put on you. You have um, a certain light, a certain gift. Um, that is from God, that is unique to you. And what's amazing about your anointing is that you're the only person, you are the only person that has the ability to allow that anointing power to flourish. I can't give you my anointing. You can't give me your anointing. But when I go into places, my anointing is only for me. So I can walk into a room, I can walk into a place, I can be somewhere, and the anointing that I have will be put on display in such a way that even if they try to copy it, they can't. Because it's for me. That anointing that is on you is for you. So I want you to go into those spaces, into those rooms, into those areas, and allow that anointing, that power that you have that's been put on you to be on full display. Because it is specific. It is so unique. It is so precise to you. It's like, uh, it's like a fingerprint. There are no two of the same. And your anointing is so good. I, I, I sometimes sit here and, I, and, I, and, and you, you, you know about podcasts and you see podcasts and there's hundreds, thousands of podcasts across the world. And at first, I used to kind of get discouraged. I used to kind of say, man, well, man, there's a bunch of podcasts and they're talking this and they're talking that. And then I was reminded they don't talk it like you. You can give me the same information, the same topic, the same thing on anything, you can give it to 10 of us and say, hey, talk about this and here's the information that you have. And mine will be uniquely different because of the anointing that is on me. You possess that same power. So I want you to walk in that power, uh, but I want you to also know that they can never, ever, ever copy that. All right? All right, man, so let's jump into it, man. Cowboys, your NFC East champions, they have a playoff home game 
this Sunday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3.30 Central Time at AT&T Stadium. Jerry so kindly asked all of you that are coming out to the game to put on your white. He wants it to be a whiteout. And I know sometimes, Cowboy fans, you get the knock that you're not the most raucous crowd, you're not the most fan, you know, you're not considered as the crowd of all crowds. And this is a chance for you to kind of get yourself in that category. Be loud, be proud, and wear your white. So that means no navy shirts, no gray shirts. Find a white t-shirt, find something. Even if you're at home, if you're at home, wear your white shirt. Be a part of this thing, man. The Cowboys are in the playoffs. This thing didn't look like they were going to have a home game. And now they have the potential of having two home games. But they take on a worthy opponent. They take on the Green Bay Packers. Now, this, this, this name, when you hear the Packers, these colors, the cheese heads, it, it, used to be, it used to be a time when you talked about the Packers and you thought, damn. The boogeyman's coming to town. There's no way we're going to win. There's no way we have a chance. And that boogeyman was once Aaron Rodgers. And rightfully so. Let, let me be very, very clear when I say that. He wasn't given the boogeyman moniker because he wasn't good. He wasn't talked about being this, uh, 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 this mythical feature, creature because he wasn't dominating. No, he got called the boogeyman because he scared the living cheese whiz up out of Cowboy fans because anytime you had to go and see the boogeyman most of the time you left with an L especially when you had to see the boogeyman in the playoffs and so the Cowboys have an opportunity to kind of I'm not going to say exercise the demons because they don't have they don't have to play Aaron Rodgers anymore but I will say this they do have to play Jordan Love and if and if Aaron Rodgers and all that he was the boogeyman I'll give Jordan Love this I'll say he's a gremlin not a super gremlin. They're, they're in Santa Clara. We, they're not, we're not, we didn't, we didn't get to the super gremlins yet. But I would say that, 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 that Jordan Love, he has some of the Aaron Rodgers-esque type ability. And this being his, his first year starting since Aaron Rodgers' departure and he, and, and, and to the New York Jets, you know, it, it started out a little shaky, but over the last couple games, last eight games, you've seen Jordan Love kind of like settle in. You've seen Jordan Love kind of say, you know what? Okay, we can play this. And he's been terrific. 18 touchdowns to one interception over the last eight games for Jordan Love. And so the Cowboys come into this game and they play fantastic at home. Outside of the, the last home game that they had against the Detroit Lions, the Cowboys have been averaging 40 points a game at home. I mean, they have been absolutely dominant. They've been the number one offense, the number one scoring offense, the number one passing offense. Dak has had his highest completion percentage. CeeDee Lamb has been off the charts. I mean, everything has been going great for the Cowboys at home. And we pray and hope that that continues uh, as they take on the Packers this week. And when you get to this point in the season, uh, health-wise is always key, right? You're always asking the question, all right, who's healthy? And last week, uh, the Cowboys didn't have their two starting guards. They didn't have Zach Martin. He was out due to injury. He will be back this week. And then you had Tyler Smith. I think they were giving him kind of a precautionary rest uh, in that game. I think if it was win or go home, Tyler Smith would have played in that game. But again, if you need it, you know, Washington Commanders are not a football team that worried me, um, even not even at full strength. Uh, but Tyler Smith seems to be okay. Uh, Stephon Gilmore in that Washington game, his shoulder popped out of place, popped it back in place. And from all accounts, Stephon Gilmore and Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy, everyone is saying that he'll be fine, uh, that he'll play, he'll play in this game on Saturday. So from a health perspective, now, I, I will say this, because there's been a nasty, nasty bug that has been going around the Cowboys locker room. And, and it caught Zach Martin, you know, morning of the game. Keep Dak Prescott away. Quarantine him. Put mask on. Put him in a bubble. I, I don't care what you got to do. The last thing that you need is on Saturday evening or Saturday night, 
early Sunday morning, Dak Prescott is hit with this bug. And I, don't, I haven't seen reports that he's already had the bug. But guys like Micah has had the bug. Uh, Stephon Gilmore has had the bug. CD has had the bug. Um, Zach Martin has had the bug. So now if, if, if Zach Martin is, you talk about in close proximity, if the guard, which is right next to the center, which is right next to the quarterback, if that's spreading around there, I, I just want to keep Dak away from the bug. I do. I, I, I do. I'm, I'm not saying that he can't go out there and have his flu game, Jordan flu game, but I'm just saying the last thing you want is your quarterback to have to face um, a Packers team at home, winner go home situation, and he's dealing with flu-like symptoms. You're talking about, you know, dehydration. You're talking about weakness. Uh, because Dak, you know, in, in what he does, the strength in who he is is in his legs. And I don't want any of that to be compromised. And I don't want any of that to take uh, a backseat to his ability to go out there and perform at the very highest level in a game. So quarantine him. Quarantine him. Um, keep him away from everybody. Um, you know, his, 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 his old lady, she, she of the Hispanic descent, they have those soups that they can make you. Make one of them colo soups. Do all that you got to do, man. Give him the strip that he needs because without Dak Prescott in this football game, you don't have a chance. And I, and I, and I, I mean, now there's always levels. I keep telling y'all this. There's levels to, to medicine. Uh, there's levels to treatments. There's level to all these things. NFL has a lot of great drugs. A lot of great drugs. A lot of great drugs. Get you back right quick. Um, and Dak... He's at the highest top of the list when it comes to priority with medicine. They're going to make sure he gets whatever he needs, IV, special, whatever it is. They'll have someone stay at his house overnight. They'll give him IVs until he, until he can't take anymore. They'll make sure that he gets to game day because uh, it is that important. But the Cowboys, I mean, this is a team that, you know, remember, no Aaron Rodgers, but this team, they played the Cowboys last year, and it was a 31-28 overtime victory for the Packers. And uh, some of the guys that they had then, they have now, and one of them being uh, Watson. And that was a game, coming into that game, they talked about Watson. It was like, oh, boy, some of the scouts were talking about he even had uh, bricks for hands. He had feet for hands. I mean, he couldn't catch a cold. And all of a sudden, he saw the Cowboys, AT&T Stadium, and he found life. He found life. Uh, he had a three-touchdown game, over 100 yards receiving, and it, it kind of catapulted him into a pretty good rest of the year. Uh, he'll, he'll be there. He was dealing with some hamstring injuries uh, throughout this year. He'll be set and ready to go. Uh, there aren't many household names on this Packers offense. You know, you hear about Romeo Dobbs and you hear about Watson and, 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 and things like that when you talk about the receivers. They, they don't have a household name in the tight end. But what they do have is they have a two-headed monster at the running back position. Uh, they have Dylan and they have Jones. And I can tell you right now, Nobody loves, maybe Aaron Rodgers probably, but after Aaron Rodgers, nobody loves playing in AT&T Stadium more than Aaron Jones. Quick backstory. If you know Aaron Jones and his story is from, he went to school at UTSA. Uh, I remember covering the game, um, doing a pre and post game show a couple years ago when Aaron Jones kind of really got his start. I had an opportunity, his dad, who was a listener to the station that I was working for, I remember him coming up to the booth. And you can always tell, like, if you came to a game at the time that I was playing football and you saw Holly jerseys, you can almost bet your bottom dollar that they were probably my family. Like, you, <laughs> you just don't see Holly jerseys just roaming around AT&T Stadium. And so this guy runs up and he has his Aaron Jones jersey on. And I'm like, got to be his family. I mean, because Aaron Jones wasn't a known commodity at that point in time. He was just kind of getting his, uh, his name in the league. And sure enough, it was his dad. And his dad walks up, and I'm like, I say to him, I'm like, you must be a part of the family. He goes, that's my son. I said, well, congratulations, yada, yada, yada. He's like, yeah, man, you know, hope he has a you know, great day today. But then he begins to roll Aaron Jones' jersey up. He has his cowboy T-shirt underneath. Aaron Jones and his family, huge cowboy fans. They're from Texas. 
that he grew up a Cowboys fan. His daddy, his daddy's daddy, his uncles, his mama, everybody in his family, huge Cowboy fans. So he gets ex- – it's a homecoming for Aaron Jones. And when you look at what Aaron Jones has done, uh, in the three games that Aaron Jones has played uh, against the Dallas Cowboys, he has had six total touchdowns, 123 yards he's averaged in those three games. So he's going to put up 100 yards and score touchdowns. He loves playing against the Cowboys, 123 and two touchdowns, averaged out every time he plays the Cowboys. He's going to be ready, set to go for the Cowboys. It was UTEP, by the way, not UTEP. I'm sorry, UTEP. Excuse me, UTEP. Excuse me, UTEP. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all the, the, the UTEP folks and UTI. We're the road runners and uh, what is the mascot for UTEP? It's the, it's the, the miners. The miners. Excuse me. I don't want to confuse. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. UTEP. 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 Um, and so, yeah, so Aaron Jones, he wants to, he wants to leave his mark indefinitely on this football game. And, and that's going to be a huge, huge, huge must stop for the Cowboys. And because when he comes out, you don't get a break because in comes Dylan. And we all know him, he's Quadzilla. He has bigger thighs and quads than Saquon Barkley. So, you know, guys like Marquise Bell, guys like uh, Damone Clark, you're going to have to come up and tackle. Because these two running backs, they're great with their vision. They're great with their contact balance. They're great with uh, uh, getting to that second level. And that's been the Achilles heel um, for the Cowboys. It's what happens when the linebackers have to consistently make those tackles. Thank God for Tank Lawrence and his ability to to really um, uh, stifle the run and make running the football difficult. But, again, you're gonna, these teams are going to go back and watch games like the Buffalo game and saying what runs did Buffalo have and what things did they do and how did they get those matchups, uh, those one-on-one matchups where uh, the running back and the linebacker are the only ones left and you have to make a decision. And, and Marquise Bell has done you know, a good job throughout the year, but we're talking about a different breed of, of, of football now. We're talking about playoff-level football. And the thing that sometimes people forget when it comes to a guy like Marquise Bell and uh, a guy like Damone Clark who, when you think about it, Relatively speaking, he's really playing. He got some burn later on in the year, but this is kind of really his rookie season. Uh, but a guy like uh, Marquise Bell, who was a converted safety to linebacker, there are things that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to linebacking play. First off, it's reading my keys, right? It's understanding when I see guards pull and, and tackles uh, pull and centers block down and combo blocks, right? That, those are the first things that I'm looking at as a linebacker and where I'm supposed to go. And then there's the run fits. And that's so key and critical um, to understanding where I'm supposed to spill this running back to because you're not always going to make the tackle. For a guy like Marquise Bell at 210 pounds, 215 pounds, uh, a run fit means that I have to be able to take on this 300-plus pound offensive lineman and take it on in such a way that it makes the running back have to run back into my help, whether that help be to my inside or my outside, depending on how we're playing this thing. And the Cowboys and their base defense is really a nickel defense because they play with the one linebacker. Now, I don't know how they're going to deploy Micah Parsons in this. Dan Quinn may have different ways that he wants to employ him, some you know, off ball, some on ball. But for the most part, Marquise, uh, Marquise Bell and Damone Clark will be your linebackers, and they're going to have to step up and stop this Packers running game. And Jordan Love, I said earlier that he has some of that Aaron Rodgers-esque in him. He can throw the football. You bet your bottom dollar he can throw you the football. And not only can he throw the football, he, he gives you um, some of the things that the Cowboys at times are that they struggle with. A mobile quarterback who can move in the pocket, who will break containment, can pick up the yards with his legs, but no throw is out of realm for Jordan Love at any arm angle. I've watched Aaron Rodgers, I'm sorry, excuse me, I've watched Jordan Love throw the sidearm, throw the fadeaway, throw the one-legger, throw a back across the body, throw the deep ball. I mean, he, he has all of the tools to, to, to make your life a living hell. And with Dan Quinn playing that single high defense, you know, they're going to push the ball down the football field. They're going to try to get some crossing routes. They're going to try to they're going to try to mix it up. The best thing that you can do is continue to rush with integrity, right? Have those guys rushing and getting the pressures on 
on Jordan Love and making him uncomfortable in the pocket, but not rushing outside of your integrity lanes. Make sure that you're, if you have outside containment, keep outside containment. Don't allow him to get outside where there's no help out there because he can take off and run for a first down uh, or, or, or yards. And when he gets outside, again, no throws off limits to Jordan Love. But what I love from the Cowboys' perspective, especially offensively, CeeDee Lamb is playing at a level right now that is he's on fire. Like remember you used to play NBA jams back in the day and you get to that level where he just says he's on fire. Like that CD. And there isn't a coverage there isn't a defender, there isn't a route that he doesn't think that he can run and catch the football. And damn it, I agree with him. I think CeeDee Lamb is like this close from being the very best receiver in the league. And I mean close. I mean Tyreek Hill's still a problem. He's still a problem. That speed kind of sets him off and sets him apart just by hair. But CD is playing at such a high level right now, and it's just, it's fun to watch. And the one thing I know about receivers, as average as I was in my time in the league, the one thing I know is in the back of our mind, we've always remembered the ones that we cooked. Ooh, we remember the ones that we cooked. And sometimes when that matchup comes up again, boy, we lick our chops. And boy, did CD cook their number one cornerback last year. Uh, Jar, uh, uh, um, I'm going to say his name wrong because I'm in my head. Jair Alexander, who I don't know what's going on with Jair. Jair's been, he's been bugging. If you don't know who Jair Alexander is, Google him and Google Jair Alexander Charlotte. Just Google that, Google that clip. Like he is one of those dudes where he is a hell of a player. A little weird. A little weird. A hell of a player. But CD went for a buck 50 last year. I think he went for 11 catches or 13 catches, 11, 12. He went for double digit catches, uh, a buck 50. And the primary, primarily defender, the primary defender, excuse me, was Jair Alexander. So I don't know if this is what they're going to be the game plan this week for the Packers to say, you know what? We're putting Alexander back on CD Lamb again. Well, if that CD who wasn't an, an elite receiver last year, he was on the cusp of being an elite receiver, cooked you for 150. This CeeDee Lamb, who is an elite receiver, who is in a category um, right now with probably only one, maybe two other receivers in this league, who leads the league in receptions, who leads the league in targets, who leads the league in just, uh, 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 I think, 20-plus yard plays. I'm not saying that he won't give you a buck 50, but he has the ability now to go for 200. And I know, I know he's looking for that matchup again because as a receiver, you want that battle. You want, you want to be able to say, okay, in the, see, the regular season is where you make a name for yourself. The playoffs is where you create a legacy. And that's for everybody. You know, it starts with the quarterback, right? Like that's that it's always starts with the quarterback. You you want to make a name for yourself? All right, great. Have a great regular season. Cool. Your name's on the map. You want to create a legacy? You want to be talked about for years upon years upon years? You want to put your name in that elite category? You want to be in the upper echelon of, of players? Do it in the playoffs. This is when you this is when you're counted on. Because it's winner go home right now. It's it's good versus good. It's mano we mano. It's everything is on the table. And I know that CD Land, that, that's in his mind. That's in that's in Michael Parsons' mind. That's in that. And the same thing for the Green Bay Packers. And this is why you love the game. Because they'll have an opportunity to go head to head. And I and I like the chances 
with the way C.D. Lamb has been playing football this season, of him dominating that Packers secondary. I really do. I, I really do feel like C.D. is playing at a level where nobody can touch him. I mean, he's dealt with double teams. He's dealt with safety coverages. He's dealt with all of those things. I think he and Dak now have that, they have that telepathy. They have that relationship where they know, like, yo, I got to, he, 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 he nice. He, he right. He ready to go. Uh, and so continue that um, on in this opportunity that they have against the Green Bay Packers. And, and, and it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, the Cowboys, uh, if they win this game or when they win this game, however you want to say it, they'll have another home game depending on how things are going. You know what I mean? Uh, but this may be – I'm thinking the, the, the Cowboys have had the 2017 – the 20 no, 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 the 2017, the 2015 teams when they had that number one overall seed. I don't know if they've had a path outside of those two opportunities where it's been this – Clear, a clear shot to the NFC East Championship. But that's, that's me talking. I want them to focus on Green Bay. Um, because Green Bay won't be, it, it, it won't be just a, it won't be just a wash. You're not going to just go in there and cook these dudes and get up out of there. It's going to be a game. You have the ability to do so, but it's going, you're going to have to play a level of football, a playoff level of football you got to eliminate the mistakes. You can't have the penalties. You can't have the mental errors. You can't have the missed assignments. Uh, you know, Dak in that game a year ago, that's when he was in that interception, kind of crazy. He threw two interceptions in that game, and it was like he threw two interceptions to guys. They were like right there. They were trying to fit the ball down the middle of the field, and he just kept picking them off. Um, Dak has shown that he's not that Dak. Dak has shown that I'm back to the MVP level Dak. And, and that's why I love this matchup. I think the Cowboys will be victorious in this. Um, but it won't be without a little bit of resistance from the Green Bay Packers. Uh, but, again, I look forward to this game. Remember, wear your white at home. If you're at the sports bar, uh, if you're coming down to see me at walk-ons uh, on Sunday in Arlington, put your white on. Put your, look angelic. Look godly. Look godly in your white cheering for your Cowboys. Uh, and, and, and those of you that are going to the game, who, who spent that bread to go to the game. So y'all going to playoff games with the Cowboys, and you got bread. You got some major, major, major bread. Let me hold something. Um, let me hold a couple of dollars. My birthday was yesterday. Let me hold a couple of dollars. Let me hold, cash at me a couple of dollars for lunch. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be crazy. But be loud, man. Like this, we, we have to create a home field advantage. We really have to create – um, a serious home field advantage that teams fear coming to play at AT&T Stadium. I don't think we've gotten there yet, uh, but no time like the present. All right, man, let's get uh, into uh, around the sports world. National championship game last night, the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, they took on the Washington Huskies, and they were Dominant. Tay and I, we were talking before the game, and Tay was like, I don't know. I, I was with Michigan. Kind of was like, I'm going towards Washington. I said, listen, so I'm not telling you what to pick. I said, but what Michigan possesses and the ability to run the ball, that is a higher percentage shot than what Washington possesses with their big playability. If Washington couldn't stop, can't stop the run, Boy, they're in for a long, long night. And what came to fruition? Washington could not stop the run. To the tune of Michigan rushing the football for a total of over 300 yards. Uh, Donovan, he came into that game. Uh, uh, what's his last name? Uh, Edwards, Donovan Edwards. And he took a back seat. He had taken a back seat to Blake Corum. But he came out, lit it up in the first in the first quarter, 41. He lit it up 41 yards, 46 yards, and it, and it was it was kind of off from there. And they were just going at it. And you just saw Michigan be able to dominate the trenches. Uh, they were able to create holes uh, throughout that game. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because Michael Penix Jr., who had a fantastic year. And it sucks. You know why it sucks for Mike? 
um, because he he dealt with the curse of Pac-12 timeline curse, time frame curse. Because you think about it, all day long you watch football and you get to a point where you're saying, all right, cool, I'm done. It's 10, 11 o'clock at night. I got to get myself ready for church tomorrow. I get myself ready for uh, Sunday football. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. But it's midnight. The Pac-12 is about to come on. I'm like, I'm not watching them. I'm tired. I'm footballed out. I cheer for my team. Right? I gave all I had for my squad today. I watched some other primetime games that I don't have no rooting interest for, but I'm a fan of the sport. I'm tired. And so what ended up happening was Washington and Michael Penix Jr., they just didn't have the eyes because he's been a good quarterback all year long. But he picked a wor- he picked the worst time to have a terrible game. Boy, did he ever. And, I mean, they were after him all day long, threw the ball 51 times, had two interceptions. Uh, it seems as if nothing, no report came out today, but it, he was hurt. Uh, he was hurt in that game, and, and Michigan was all over him. And the thing about uh, uh, Penix Jr. was you watched him all year long when you watched him. The throws that he was missing last night, he was hitting those throws throughout the season. I mean, he missed about, man, he probably missed about five or six throws last night that would have been game changers to open receivers that he was hitting, that he that he was hitting all season long. Hit him last week. He made them complete last week. And he just found, he, he just couldn't find the rhythm. They just couldn't find what they needed offensively. And that run game, see, that run game is body blows. I mean, it's body blow after body blow after body blow. And, 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 and Edwards and, 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 and Blake, and they just body blow. Because you think about it, J.J. McCarthy only completed 10 passes. Like he only completed 10 passes. Had little over 100 yards, had less than 150 yards on 10 completions. And that game never felt close. And I take that back. There were moments where it felt close, but it never felt like Washington was in a position to take momentum. It never felt like Washington was in a position where the game was in their control. It always felt like they were fighting up an uphill battle. They were always trying to get to that next level. And kudos to Michigan. I mean, they they finally got to the mountaintop uh, for for Jim Harbaugh and staff and his players. I mean. Seven straight bowl losses, whether it was the playoffs or rather the regular bowl. I mean, they lost last year to TCU. What an embarrassing loss that was because you saw what happened to TCU when they had to play Georgia. That was that was a rout. But seven straight, seven straight bowl losses for Harbaugh and company, and they finally got it. And and and, and you can say you can feel how you feel. I I, I don't know about all the sign stealing stuff and who was sent where and who did what. Jim Harbaugh missed six games this year. And anytime you have your head coach miss that many games in a season, um, you usually kind of drop one. And he, he missed some – I mean, he missed the Ohio State game. He missed the biggest game probably outside of the national championship game. That Ohio State-Michigan game, like that Ohio State game can get you fired or can get you a raise. And he missed it, and they still won it. And that, that, that goes out to the players of Michigan. Shout out to my boy – Derek, Derek Holland. Shout out to you. That's my boy, uh, uh, Ryan Burke, uh, Berksy, all these Michigan fans. Um, uh, morning with my guy, Isaiah. Stand back. I got my, I got my, your Husky on. I got black on. I'm mourning for you. Uh, but shout out to the, all the Michigan Wolverines. Shout out to Jawan Howard. Shout out to the Fab Five. I don't know why I'm shouting out the Fab Five, but I just felt like whenever you talk about Michigan, you got to talk about the Fab Five. Um, you know, also what's funny about this, <laughs> I, they, 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 Washington is an Adidas school. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, Michigan is a Jordan school. And they were having like the lead ups throughout the week. And for Washington, what ended up happening was they had Dame Lillard come by. And Dame Lillard comes by and he's kind of, kind of giving him a pep talk. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to give all y'all my shoes. And they were excited. And I was like, what Ed love you to do? Come on, son. Come on, son. 
Nobody's excited to get a pair of Dame Lillard Adidas. I don't get. I don't care. I don't care. There's not a soul in this world that is excited. Now I take that. Let me let me stop. Colleges. There are probably some. Nobody's excited. I'm, let, me, let me stop. No one's excited about getting Dame Lillard sneakers. And they were like hooting and hollering, like, oh, we got the days and they got the bag. I was like, nobody's excited about that. I was like, nobody, especially when you know and your heart of hearts that what Michigan got on their side when Jordan stopped through and was like, yo, I'm going to give y'all some national championship. I, I know for, I know, I know from experience, my Jordan championship package when I won an national championship in 2005, boy, boy, boy. Boy, was that special. I still got the sneakers to this day. Boy, was that a special package. So nobody's excited. That should have been, that should have been the writing on the wall right there. The writing on the wall that Washington was going to lose, Dame Lillard came down there and gave them Adidas to them boys. No, you can't wear them Adidas outside. Where you wearing them Adidas to? <laughs> Where are they wearing those Adidas to? You can't, you can't put a fit together. Like, if your fit starts with, yo, I'm about to put these dames on and kill them, you're a liar. You're a big liar. There's no outfit that will ever end dope when you start with dames on your feet. I'm not nothing against dame. I like dame. Maybe you can hoop in the joints. There's no fit. There's none. There is a plethora a plethora of fits that you can lace with some J's. You can lace. You if your if your fit is starting with J's, that should have been all you needed to know right there. That should have been all you needed to know right there. Should have been a battle of the logos, the shoe brands. What did Yeezy say? Yeezy jumped over the no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Yeezy, when you were with Adidas, the jump man reigned supreme. Like that is what it is. You should have known from the jump. When Dame showed up, you should have you should have took all your money, ran to the bookie, and said, Dame gave them boys his sneakers. No way they got a chance in this game. No way. There's no way. There's no way. If Dame would have gave me some kicks, I'd have like, all right, boys, we're gonna take this L. Who the hell wants Dame sneakers? I've never seen nobody stand outside in the cold for a Dame release. Have you? Have any of you ever stood outside or drove by the sneaker store? I'm, I don't know. I'm sorry, Dame. I've never drove. I'm sitting, in, I'm sitting in center sneaker store right now. They've never had a Dame release. They've never, they've never put on their website them Dames coming in. They've never once been had to answer the phone and be like, dog, you know what? We just ran out of those dames. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. My boy T in the back laughing. They've never. That should have been all that you needed to know of how this game was going to go. And then they had the nerve to film it. They filmed Dame come in there, and they had, to, had the reaction of those boys putting them dames. Like, I don't know. Beggars can't be choosers, and I'm not saying that you have to be ungrateful to think that you get in this world. Because be very grateful of those things. All I'm saying is, I don't know if the most prized possession that they left Houston with was those dames. I'm sorry. Those dames are going to somebody uncle, somebody dad, granddad. They're going to get donated to the local community who needs some sneakers. Michigan wins big over the Washington Huskies. Shout out to the to the to the maize and blue to the Wolverines. John Harb Jim Harbaugh, excuse me, uh, getting a tattoo. He said, "I'm getting a tattoo." Not, doesn't have any ink on his body, but he's getting a tattoo. He told his boys, "If we went 15 and 0 and won a national championship, I'm getting a tattoo." So I think I think Jim's a man of his word. I look forward to seeing what that ink uh, looks like. It's gonna get on his shoulder. So. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing, man. But congrats uh, to the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, we're going to go who next? Um, we're going to go from euphoric joy of winning a national championship to a feeling I felt many times, oh. to the lows and loneliness 
of being fired. This week started Black Monday, and the coaches have been getting the axe. Right now, we've already had coaches like uh, Brandon Staley from the Chargers. He got let go earlier in the year. He's out of here. But this week, three coaches have already been given the axe. <sighs> Sorry. My former teammate, Tar Heel, Arthur Smith, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, he's gone. Pack him up. They packed Arthur Smith up and said, you didn't want to give B. John Robinson the ball early in the year? You didn't want B. John to touch the ball at all? That was a part of your plan? You trying to keep a job? And we just drafted this dude in the first round, and you don't want to get – cool. Packed him up. Arthur Smith, gone. The Tennessee Titans. I keep telling y'all, stay away from the Bill Parcells assistants. Belichick, Bill Parcells. He's from the Bill Belichick. He's from the Parcells tree. Uh, the Bill Belichick assistants. Mike Vrabel packed him up. He's out of there. He's out as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. And then old Riverboat Ron, new ownership came in. Uh, new people are coming in. Things ain't quite right in the, in the nation's capital. Ron Rivera packed him up. Ron Rivera's out of there. So three head coaching vacancies are open right as of right now. Well, no, not three, but you, you add uh, – and they haven't they hadn't said anything about the Raiders. They, 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 I don't know if they fired. I guess when you're interim at the end of the year, it kind of just automatically falls off of you. But right now you're looking at uh, the Raiders' job is open, the Chargers' job is open, the Washington job is open, the Titans' job is open, the Falcons' job is open – and the Panthers job is open. So there's six NFL jobs that are open. And they all have their unique, except for the Panthers. I'm going to be totally honest with you. The way that David Tepper is coming off as the new Daniel Snyder. If you know anything about Daniel Snyder and his time at Washington, he's coming off as one of these spoiled, rich, a-hole billionaire owners who meddle too much into the football business of things and can't get out the way. And he treats people probably horribly. I don't know him personally, but it just feels that way. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. Like, this is my true feeling, and I even tweeted this out. This is my true feeling about the Panthers' job. And this is what I hate when we talk about inclusion. We're talking about, you know... Uh, representation. The, the NFL is an 80% is represented 80% black Americans make up the National Football League. Yet there is lack of representation in head coaching, general managers, and ownership. And this Carolina Panthers job, and there are some jobs in the league that what I call a, um, you know when you were a kid, and, and we've all been there, when you were a kid, and if you were like me, you were a greedy little kid, a pestering kid, and your parents or your uncle or your aunt or your grandma or your granddad um, might have had some chips, some cookies, candy, something that you wanted. And you, you pestered and you pestered and you pestered and then they finally hit you with the, here, man, damn. Here, 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 here. And he's just like, now as a kid, you take it. You take it. Oh, but you, it's, it's here, man, damn. Here, here, take it. Yeah, get, get going. Here. I feel like a lot of times in the National Football League, when you talk about, man, wanting to have more black coaches, wanting to have more black GM, wanting to have more black representation and ownership. To me, when you look at the Panthers' job, um, they have no offensive linemen. They have no weapons for their quarterback. They have, no, they have no high draft picks. I mean, they have nothing really to offer. And I just feel like this is one of those, here, man, damn, to a black head coach. 
And the black head coach has to go in there and say, well, this is my chance. And I have to climb the I have to climb two Mount Everest's to get to a point of saying I did it. And you're given a job that honestly has zero percent chance, maybe a one percent chance of you actually being successful. You don't have the capital. You don't have the players. You don't have anything. And then you have an owner who thinks he knows more than everybody else who won't let football people do football things. And this is that type of job that a black head coach will get. And then he'll spend two or three years there and they're doing this whole rebuilding thing. And then he gets hit with the C. This is why you can't give black head coaches jobs because look what they did. Look at the Panthers. They, they're not they're, they're, they're They went two seasons in a row. They were two and 15, one and 16, three and 14. And you, neg you neglect to mention the fact that, yeah, he wasn't given anything. He was given the leftovers. He was given literally the here, man, damn. Here's, the, yeah, I got, here's a few chips at the bottom of the bag. There's two gummy worms left in this pack. Here, man, here, there's a sip of juice left. Here, here man, damn, here, 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 here. And I, and I, and I don't like the fact that I think far too many African-American coaches, black coaches in this league are given the here, man, damn, jobs. I want to have the opportunity to be able to coach a Patrick Mahomes. I want the opportunity to be able to coach a Dak Prescott, to be able to say that my, 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 I have multiple first-round picks, that I have the opportunity to, to build something. Not the, man, here, man, damn job. Where now I get these scraps and I have to make do with what I've been given. That's what the Panthers' job's going to be. And, and I don't know who's going to be the head coach, but it just feels like that's a here, man, damn job. And a black coach will get the job, and he'll have to make his way, and it probably won't be successful. And he'll get fired after two or three years and have to go back to be a coordinator again. And then once all that old bass have been worked out and now they have draft picks and they've organically tanked, organically tanked, and now they have draft picks and draft capital and, 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 and they can make moves, the job goes to somebody else. And then they get to come in, the new young hotshot. They get to come in. They don't look like me, but they get to come in and have this job with all the resources and all the advantages and all the opportunity for growth. And if they have success, then it's see, that's why we go this direction. I look at a guy like D'Amico Ryans. He came in there and, and, and he provided structure for C.J. Stroud and he had some picks and he was able to do some things with that and took a team that was not supposed to go to the playoffs this year. That team was – what, what Houston has done has put themselves – they're two years ahead of schedule. But when you give a coach, a black coach, the opportunity – to have some assets, I look at that and I go, that's the way you do it. But when you give them a, here, man, damn, job, man, we'll always be, we'll always be in, in the losing end of things. Well, that'll always be what, what we are. Because it's tough. This league is tough. It's, it's based on talent. It's based on talent, creating the right culture, having the resources. You give a coach that, he's bound to have success. He's bound to have success with a little bit of time. Look at Dan. Look at Dan Campbell. That place was actually it was a good team before they gave it up uh, under Caldwell. But they gave him time. They allowed him to build his culture. They allowed him to put players and resources behind them. And look where they're at now. They, thirty years they've won their division. Hadn't happened in thirty years. And there's other examples all across the league. When you don't have the resources, you don't win. So I hope uh, 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 that I see more of the black coaches get the jobs with the resources, get the jobs that have the big-time quarterbacks, get the jobs that have uh, a, a multitude of, of, of draft picks to be able to choose from the kind of – and then given the time. That's important. Then given the time to work through all of the garbage that they didn't – don't make them pay back taxes for something that they didn't create. Give them a chance to get rid of the garbage – and, and the bad culture and the bad drafting and the bad organizational stuff and give them a fair shot to go out there 
and do it. Some more jobs will be, I'll say this, two more jobs that I'll be, Bill Belichick, I packed you up a long time ago. You're in this whole thing. I don't know what they're going to do with you in New England. Uh, they may do a mutual parting. Um, but Bill Belichick, I, I think you're done, bro. And, and, it's, and I, don't mean that in a, I don't mean that in an aggressive, ugly way. I just think your time is up. I, I think Bill Belichick, you're in your Phil Jackson, New York Knicks stage. Phil Jackson will go down as one of the greatest coaches in history of sports, all sports. But Phil Run came to an end. He had Michael, he had Kobe and Shaq, and he had a great run. A lot of championships, a lot of championships. But you get to a point where your message, your methodology just doesn't work. And when Phil went to the New York Knicks, they thought, oh, we got him. We finally got Phil to New York. And it was trash. And, Bill, you're going to go down as one of the greats of all time in all of sports. But I think you just come to a place, man, bro, where you just, your message has fallen on deaf ears. Your approach just isn't picked up by this new generation. It's okay to say that your run has come to an end. I know you want the Don Shula record, and you'll probably get another team. Someone will probably give you the keys to their franchise until you get the record. But I just think, man, this, this is it. This is it. You've come to the end of the road. When, whenever you guys mutually part, away, part ways in New England, brother, go be on your boat. Go spend time with your lady and your dog. Go fish. Be a senior consultant. Go make money consulting college teams, consulting some NFL teams. Some of your assistants will still have jobs out here. You can come be a senior analyst or a consultant for them. Make a quarter of a million dollars in a season if you still have the itch to play football. Go and, go, go and hang out with some of the college coaches that you admire or that you like and give them some knowledge. But I, I just think that your run is done. And one that's kind of the other one that's kind of like, okay, and it's going to sound crazy, and it's going to sound wild, but anytime an ownership gives you all the praise and the confidence in the world, it's a red flag to me. And my boy, Freaky Mike, Mike McCarthy, I'm not saying that Mike is on the hot seat. What I'm saying is, is that Mike's seat isn't hot but it has a sensitive eject button. The seat's not hot, but if you go out here this Sunday and you lose in the first round to the Green Bay Packers, boy, that ejection button is, I'm talking about a hair trigger. I mean, you may be out of here, bro. Because despite you winning three straight years of 12, 12 games, Hadn't happened in Cowboy history. No coach in Cowboy history. Not Tom Landry, not Jimmy, not Barry. No coach in Cowboy history has won three consecutive seasons with 12 wins. The difference is they win playoff games. They go deep into the playoffs. And Jerry understands he ain't getting no younger. He about to have to pay a bunch of these dudes a bunch of money. Dak, CD, Micah, some bread. Like bread, bread, like highest paid ever bread for some of them. If, if you fumble the bag and you're not victorious uh, on Sunday, that eject button could be, could be hit and you could be out as head coach. And part of it being because Dan Quinn will get a bunch of head coaching opportunities. He's already been requested for three teams of the six that's available. So I'm not saying that Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat, and that's my boy. Freaky Mike's my guy. But you lose in the first round, Jerry's an emotional man. He can, he can get you up out of here quick. All right, man, uh, to the NBA, John Morant, out. <laughs> Talk about grand opening, grand closing. The, the Memphis Grizzlies, when John Morant was on his 25-game suspension, I, I mean, just terrible. 
Just absolutely terrible. Unwatchable. Unwatchable. The grind house was like grinding your gears. It was bad basketball. And then John Morant gets off of his suspension, comes back, and all of a sudden the electricity's back. The grind house is electric. Is electric. They're on primetime games. Everybody wants to see them. I mean, it is, it is good for business. And then he has a shoulder injury that's taken him out for the season. And it's unfortunate because I said this earlier, and but agree or disagree, the face of the NBA, American, local, not Wimby who is uh, from France. They have another kid from France too. It's like supposed to be like better than Wimby coming out in a year or so. Um, not the Joker who's not from here. Um, not all the European players. But Anthony Edwards and John Morant, like it or not, are your face of the future. They are the face of the NBA. They are. When LeBron and Steph and KD fizzle out, not since they fizzle, but fade away, those two young stars are your face. American, they're your face. And so now you lose, this, you lose part of the year because of suspension, and now you lose all of the year uh, due to injury for John Morant. Uh, that, that, that's a major impact to the NBA. A major impact to the NBA. I was looking at tickets for the Memphis game when they came to play the Mavericks until the John Morant news. Because John Morant, like him or not, pew, 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 He's box office. Feel how you feel about John Morant. He's big time. You pay premium prices to see him play. And now that he's not in the game due to injury for the rest of the year, um, that's going to hurt the NBA. That hurts. When one of your stars goes down, uh, that definitely will hurt uh, the NBA. So, you know, heal quickly, John Morant, get back. And while you're away, like, don't go away, John Morant, and get dumb. Go away, get yourself right mentally, physically, emotionally. Continue on that path. Don't go away. All of a sudden, you pop back up on the IG with the blickies. Get right mentally, continue that, and then get healthy. And come back and, be, and continue to be the face, the future face of the NBA. Well, John Morant is out. Draymond Green is in. He's coming back off of his suspension. Uh, I think like a 12-game suspension it ended up being. Uh, remember, he was suspended for his hit in the face-neck area on Yusuf Nurkic uh, a couple couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. I don't know how long ago. Like a month ago, whatever it was. Um, but he's back. He's been reinstated. He's coming back. Uh, but before he did that, you know that uh, Draymond had to jump on his podcast, which I respect, and, and, and give his piece. And he talked about talking to Adam Silver and <laughs> Draymond says that he was nearing retirement in his conversation with Adam Silver. He talked about, you know what? I, I, this is too much, Adam. He said, this is too much. And I think I'm just going to retire. And he said through the conversation with Adam Silver, um, Adam Silver said, I think you're making a, a, a rash decision. I think you're kind of just in the moment and I can't let you do that. And he said, after a long conversation, um, Adam Silver kind of talked him back off the ledge to not retire. And he said some other things about, you know, uh, Stephen A., some things about the leadership of Steph Curry and some things that KD had said about him. But the thing that I didn't like about the whole Draymond situation and the way that we was talking, like Draymond almost, he made it feel like, well, I was going to retire because this is too much. This is just too much. I, I, this, is, this is too much. I'm just going to retire. And... I'm like, too much? Draymond, this is all your fault. Like, you're, 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 you're playing the victim role when you were actually the menace. You choked out Rudy Gobert. You hit Yusuf Nurkis in the face. You stomped people. You hit LeBron in the nuts. Like everything that has happened, you punched Jordan Poole in the face. Draymond, 
I get why you punch Jordan Poole in the face. You see what he's doing in Washington. Definitely punch in the face worthy. But I'm just saying is everything that has happened to Draymond Green has been self-inflicted. You don't get a ch- you don't get the opportunity to play victim, Draymond. You don't get the opportunity to do that. You were at fault. Like you, you were the every situation that you've been in. And of course, like in the NBA, it's like in real life. If I get if if I get arrested today, I have zero criminal history. When I go before a judge, I'm looking for a little leniency. I'm looking for a little, hey judge, this is not my character. This is not my makeup. This is a one-time thing. I made a mistake. Now, I'm not saying it's something egregious like murder or something like that, but I'm like, you know, whatever. But, hey, I'm looking for a little bit of leniency. I got no criminal, no criminal record. I've never done anything criminally outside of a speeding ticket. I may get a little bit of leniency. I may get a little bit of a pop on the wrist. You know what, Jesse? You have been a model citizen. You pay your taxes. You're, you're good in the community. You have charity. I'm going to let you walk out of here for probation. Don't do it again. But if I'm a repeat offender, if I'm showing up in this courtroom and in front of these judges year in and year out for the same thing over and over and over again, I can't get in that courtroom and be like, woe is me. Spare me. I just need a break. When it's been self-inflicted. So Draymond, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't get an opportunity to say that it was too much. You did it. It was all self-inflicted. And it's not like you were doing some things off the field that off the court that kind of was like, you know, maybe he's dealing with some things mentally. Nah, you don't have to stop, dudes. You, you did not, you did not have to choke. You put Rudy Gobert in an MMA rear naked chokehold. That would have made Dana White proud. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to. You had, you had time to let him go. You had time to be like, oh, you know what? Oh, you didn't have to, you didn't have to hit LeBron in the nuts. You didn't have to punch Jordan Poole. You, you did not have to do these things. Like these things you did not have to do. These things you did because you wanted to do them. And you've done it throughout your career in the NBA. So don't tell me it's too much. Don't play victim. Take responsibility. What you did, you took responsibility. But to be like, it's too much, I'm out to retire. Just keep your hands to yourself. Like you learned that as a kid. <laughs> keep your hands to yourself. All right, uh, we're going to end with this. We talked about earlier in the year the NBA wanting to have its superstars play. The NBA wanting to have the opportunity where they're saying, you know what? Hey, I get it, Jess. You paid $300 for this ticket. And you, and you found out two hours before the game that Luka Doncic is not playing. You don't get a refund. You don't get any of that. So the NBA implemented these resting rules and a long list of things. But one of the things that they said, in order to be eligible for these postseason awards, MVP is one of them. Defensive player of the year, most improved, all NBA, all NBA defensive team. You had to play a certain amount of games. You had to play 65 games out of the uh, 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 the 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 82 was it 81 82 uh, 82 games of the season. Well, you have some of your stars that are kind of getting a little bit close to the to the mark. And I went and looked, and they talk about Joel Embiid because he you know he won MVP last year and he wants probably wants to repeat and win an MVP again. But right now, 17 games is where you can miss before you become ineligible for all of those postseason awards. And some people have incentives and contracts and all that kind of stuff tied to those things. Right now, KD, 17, out of the 17 games he can miss, he's already at seven. Joel Embiid, out of the 17 games that he can miss, he's at eight. We're not even at the halfway point yet. We didn't get to All-Star break yet. It's close, but we didn't get to All-Star break yet. Devin Booker, Spider Mitchell, and Porzingis, out of the 17 games that they could miss, they already had nine. 
Bam out of Bayou. He's at 10. Jimmy Butler, his teammate, he's at 12. Kyrie Irvin is at 16 of the 17 games that he can miss where he will be then ineligible for any of his postseason awards. So they're keeping track. They're keeping track of some of your favorite favorites. They may not be able to win those postseason awards that you wanted them to win because of this new rule. So, all right, man, that's what I got, man. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for being here with me, for joining me, for taking this journey with me. Remember, like, subscribe, hit the notification button, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, um, where we at Twitter, Mr. Fourth Along is the handle. Fanatic views, go download it. Go like the, the clips page, man. Keep that thing in rotation. Um, and, and just make me a part of it every day. Like, I, I want to get, you know, Uncle Shay Shay did like 30 million with Cat Williams. I'm trying to get to that level. I might have Cat come. No, I'm not having Cat come in. But if I did, you wouldn't know about it because you ain't hit the button. You hit the notification button. So go hit the notification button, the like button, do all that kind of stuff. Leave a comment. Uh, tell me what you think. Tell me how you feel. I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll interact with you when I see you uh, and I see your messages. So um, go do that, man. I appreciate you. 53 episodes. Remember, go and like those things, man, and do all that. Share it. Put it in the family group chat. Put it. Your mother wants to hear me. Your mother wants to hear me. Your father wants to hear me. Your father probably already listens to me. But if he doesn't, put it in the group chat. And remember, man. They can't copy your anointing. You're gifted. You're special. They can't copy that. Remember that. Only you can unlock that anointing. It is specifically for you. All right? Remember, eliminate the contingencies. I'm out.